speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Guess you've realized by now that today we observe the feast of St. Mary the Virgin, one of the many days in the church focused on the mother of our Lord. In March, we celebrate the Annunciation when Mary got news from the angel that she was with child. Advent and Christmas are obviously a lot about Mary. In February, the Feast of the Presentation recalls the dedication of the Christ child in the temple as his parents bring him to that place. And those are just a few of what we call Marian feasts, various celebrations from really all over the world that talk about Mary as guide, Mary as teacher, Mary as present. Beyond that, throughout the year, the lectionary shares stories of Mary, her instructions to Jesus at the wedding of Cana, her attempts to rein him in when she and her family thought he'd gone off the deep end, her faithful following all the way to the cross, even when the disciples fled, and finally her presence with disciples after the ascension in prayerful expectation of the coming of the Spirit. Today's feast in particular has traditionally been about the way in which her time on earth ended, based on traditions that evolved beyond the text to the four Gospels. So our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters celebrate the, uh, of the Assumption of Mary taken up into heaven like just a very few other special folks in the Bible. Our Orthodox brothers and sisters speak of the Dormition of Mary, her death as a matter of falling asleep later to experience bodily resurrection. Episcopalians, uh, kind of true to form, are a little vague about the logistics, <laughs> but, but simply say, as we heard in the collect, that Mary was taken to God's self. Mary was taken to God's self. And it's interesting, interesting to me to tell her story Today's gospel, our lectionary, takes us back to the first things we learn about her and that magnificent, magnificent song she sang in response to the news of the advent of the Messiah, the Magnificat, which I think you're going to hear a few times in this liturgy, uh, is woven into the liturgy of, our, liturgy of our church in all kinds of ways, and it has a lot to teach us. In fact, Mary has a lot to teach us as disciples or as learners. So first of all, she teaches us about vocation. When the angel brings the news of her pregnancy, it's one of the great call stories in the Bible. Often in the Bible, when God calls somebody, the initial response is basically this, God, you have the wrong number. And maybe, maybe you've had that response as well in your life when you've heard God's call. Moses' call came via a burning bush, and he said, who am I to take on Pharaoh? And he tried to get his brother to do the job. Samuel took three times to hear and realize it was God calling. When God called Isaiah, Isaiah tried to duck out by saying he was a person of unclean lips. Jeremiah said, I'm just a kid. I'm too young to do this job. Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Do you see a theme here? Mary responded differently. Now, no doubt about it, she had questions, and while hearing the angel's announcement, she wondered, how can this be? But as the angel assured her that with God, love this, with God, nothing will be impossible, she then said, here am I, 
the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary embraced what Madeline Lengel has called the glorious impossible. It changed everything. It's a turning point in history. It's a turning point for all of us in our spiritual journey, actually. Some years ago, a priest I admire preached a sermon late in Advent in which he imagined the angel Gabriel going to several young women in Nazareth, sort of going door to door, <laughs> finally getting a yes from Mary. <laughs> that is totally speculative, but it underscores the remarkable character of Mary's willingness, a lesson for us, inviting you and me to think about God's call to each one of us. I had a member of my parish in Chicago. He was a young, brash investment guy. Uh, and in the course of his life in the church was discovering a new depth to his spiritual journey. And I came to him one day and I asked if he would consider serving as chalice bearer on Sundays. And you would have thought I asked him if he wanted to run for bishop or something. <laughs> Apparently, uh, his college days had been a little wild. Uh, I gather, this way I would put it, he was on the dean's list of social activity and uh, had continued that lively pattern for years after college. And he said to me, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that if I stood up there with a chalice, the roof would fall in. But he did say yes. And it was embracing, and for him it was embracing a glorious impossible. It deepened his experience of worship. So how might you learn from Mary? as you consider God's call to you, even if it seems gloriously impossible. Second thing Mary teaches us, she teaches us about worship with that wonderful phrase, my soul magnifies the Lord. Other translations say, my soul glorifies the Lord. The uh, paraphrase, the message puts it this way, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my savior God. And I like to wrap my mind around that word magnify and how it's a spiritual word. How do we proclaim the greatness of the Lord enlarging it? For it is always greater than we can express and there is always a way to make it greater. And what's so beautiful about this hymn as the focus of Mary's day is that the God who looks, and this is the God that Mary worships. It is the God who looks with favor on the lowliness of his servant, the God who scatters the proud and lifts the lowly and fills the hungry and helps his servant. In other words, the God that we glorify, magnify, praise is one whose heart is with those in greatest need. And Mary invites us, challenges us to think about ways we can proclaim the greatness of God in word and action. That magnification can happen, of course, in a beautiful and sacred space like this. But in Mary's vision, it can also happen out there as we address needs that surround us, the kind of needs that Eva was talking about in her announcements, the kind of work this church and other faith communities do to address hunger and homelessness and loneliness and illness and grief and fear. Those are all acts of worship. They magnify the Lord. So Mary, our teacher, asks us, how is God calling you, how is God calling me to be part of that magnificent work in days ahead? 
And thirdly, Mary teaches us about faithfulness. As noted, the Gospels recount the ways that Mary hung in there as faithful disciple all the way to the foot of the cross. And it was not an easy road. I have two friends, a couple, uh, they're, they're both university professors. They had one kid, and when this uh, child, this girl was eight or nine years old, they took her to Italy on a tour, and they visited a lot of churches and museums. And after a number of those visits, uh, these parents asked this young girl for impressions of what she had seen, and the child spoke about the many ways she had seen Mary depicted. And she asked her parents, why is Mary never smiling? Mary's familiarity with the suffering of the world was predicted at the dedication of the infant Jesus when Simeon predicted that a sword would pierce Mary's heart. She teaches us that the Christian faith, the spiritual journey, never promises escape from suffering or challenge or loss. (laughs) C.S. Lewis put it this way in inimitable style. He said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port could do that. He said, if if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. A friend, a rector, tells his congregation that suffering is the promise life always keeps. And I suspect each of us knows that truth in some way. So what do we do? We navigate the path with feast days providing teachers, examples of those who have gone before lights in their generations, windows of grace, who have shown that it can be done, shown that we can make it through the storm, show that we can move forward. And in whatever challenge you face, whatever need for healing you confront, Mary comes to us today as teacher about faithfulness. So we gather on this day in gratitude for the life and ministry and witness of Mary for how she made it gloriously possible for us to meet Jesus and to be part of the movement that follows him. The way her time on earth ended is a mystery. I guess that's true of the ways all of our time on earth will end. What we do know is how she lived. And we regard that with grateful recollection, and that grateful recollection has purpose. It provides mission. It is oriented toward our future. Our observance is meant to help us grow in faith, in love of God and neighbor, as we think about how we respond to God's call and embrace glorious impossibilities, however they present themselves to us. Our observance is meant to help us think about how we magnify the Lord in word and action, not only in this sacred space, but in all the sacred spaces where people gather, each person made in the image of God. Our observance is meant to help us grow in faithfulness, to figure out amid changes and and chances of life how to follow Jesus. So today we hail Mary, giving thanks for how she teaches us across the centuries teaches us about call, about worship, about discipleship, so that each one of us can say, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Amen.